Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Everybody doing good today? Everybody, including Don, doing good today? Don, you're doing good. Everybody else? <coughs> good, 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 good. All right. Hey, listen, we've, uh, we're going to start a new series. The new series is going to be called The Church Defined, and this is going to last for the next four weeks. You may be wondering, why is it that we are going to be talking about these things? Well, I think it's important oftentimes that we take a pause, hit the pause button, and really redefine why it is that we're here, what we're doing, and uh, the reason behind some of the things that we're doing, because I think we need a reminder oftentimes that we don't just come out of obligation. We don't come because it's what we do on Sundays before we go to lunch uh, and go see the family or whatever. It's not something that is a tradition here, okay? Uh, it is something that is holds value and it's something that is vitally important to um, to your faith and to everyone joining together as a whole. And so we're going to look at the church defined for the next four weeks and then we take off for Labor Day and then we come right back and we're going to go through the whole book of John during the next year. It's going to be really pretty awesome. So I'm excited about that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2. The text today you're going to recognize Acts chapter 2 starting in verse 14. Acts chapter 2 starting in verse 14. I want to give you a little bit of background <clears throat> of what's going on here. There is um, some things that have gone on. So Jesus has now ascended. They have met together and suddenly Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit that Jesus promised. And we talked, we looked at that last week, actually, when we looked at why do bad things happen to good people. Um, Jesus was telling the disciples, listen, these things are going to happen and that things are going to happen. But I want you to know something. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. What I'm going to do is, is I'm going to send an advocate, a counselor, a guide, all these things. So you're not going to be left alone. And sure enough, Jesus is good for his word. And so he said it, he did it. And Holy Spirit appears. Suddenly we see various things happening. One of the things that we see happening is, is that as people spoke, they began to praise God in their own languages. We see various language being spoken. Another miracle that happened was, was when the language was spoken um, uh, by, by, by Peter. He spoke his language, but the people that were there from other countries heard his message miraculously in their own language. Um, it was an amazing thing that happened. God did various things that day. And so basically, though, when things like that start to happen, there begins to be confusion. And so there was confusion and people started saying, hey, look, these guys are all drunk. That's what they were saying. These guys have all you know, had too much liquor. These guys have had too much wine. They have. And so Peter, <clears throat> seeing the confusion, stands up and this is what he says. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Let me just say, I'd like to encourage you to listen to Peter's wise words that nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. I'm just letting you know. All right. At least make it till noon. Um, 
No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And then he quotes from the prophet Joel and says this, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. And in those days I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who? How many? A few people? Everyone, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he says this, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders and signs through him as well as you well know. But God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. So Peter went from, hey, don't drink before noon to pretty strong stuff, pretty quick. He turned on the page pretty quick. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life for death could not keep him in his grip. King David said this about him. He says, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. I want you to think about last week what we talked about, why bad things happen to good people. And I told you that we know the ending already we know the ending and this too, these words from David should encourage you that God is not finished with the people maybe that you have lost or, or that you love. He's not finished with that. And then he says, dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself for he died and was buried and his tomb is still there among us. But he was a prophet and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. And that's the difference today, you guys, from Christianity and every other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world, you can go dig up the bones of, of their quote unquote God. But the tomb of Christ was empty. And that's the difference between Christianity. Because he's not there because he's risen. And then he says this, God raised Jesus from the dead and we all witness, we're all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit. Here it is to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. And it's going to go back to David for David himself never ascended into heaven. And yet he said this, the Lord said to my, uh, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. And it says this in 37, Peter's words pierced the hearts and they said to him, 
and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter, I know he said, I'm glad you ask. And he said this, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sin. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and, and even, and this is going to be something that they're going to go, whoa, and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about all was 3,000 in all. And then he says, and then he goes on to say, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared with the money they had in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, <clears throat> met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and joy, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. <clears throat> How awesome is that? How awesome is that? There were promises that were made. Matthew chapter 16 says this. Chapter 16 says, Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And here's verse 18. Now I say to you, Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, I will build my what? My church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus had promised that this day would come. And what you're seeing here is the birth of the church that we now are a part of, that we now sit in. It's us. The birth was here on this day at this time. But what's happened is, is that we have as people, because of our formal ways and because of various traditions and because of things that we've clung to, such as traditions over years and years and years and years and generations and generations. What we've done is, is in my opinion, we've watered down the church and we've gotten away from one of the reasons I planted this church. And one of the passions that Lynn and I had when we wanted to plant this church is because we wanted to get back to what Acts 2 was saying. We wanted to get back to Acts 2. We wanted to get back to the, the we wanted the main thing to be the main thing. And so that's why we're doing this series. I want to redefine for you what the church is supposed to be. And I want you to understand this. The whole idea of the church, the whole idea of the church was Jesus. It was his idea. And I know this may sound crazy, but Jesus had enough confidence in you and in me that he would use you and me to spread his gospel all over the world. We would be the hands and feet of Christ. We would be the ones that represent who Christ is. And we would operate our lives, get this, we would operate our lives in such a way that we would have favor among the people. We would do things for people when they're not doing nice things to us. 
We would love people when they're not loving us. We would be things and do things and we would be and show people what Jesus looks like with skin on. That's what we would do. But it was all his idea. Jesus was the creator of the church. He's the foundation of the church. And he's also, listen, he's also the sustainer of the church. He is. And I think a lot of us have forgotten this fact. So I want to talk about the purpose, the mission, the goal, and the calling of the church. What's the first thing that we want to discuss? Here it is. The church must gather together. We gather together corporately for biblical teaching. I want to hear that. We gather together corporately for biblical teaching. Now, let me say something to you. And look, I'm not one of these that see a demon around every corner. All right. I'm just, I'm just that's not who I am. All right. I don't believe it. This is not who I am. But I want to say something to you. <clears throat> I know that a lot of you are frustrated about the condition of our society today. I know you are. I know a lot of you are frustrated about the, the, the apathetic views and the apathetic attitude of people today toward God. But the problem is, is that we have, and I'm going to sound like such an old tent preacher, <laughs> we have gotten away from biblical teaching in the church. We have. We have gotten away from it. Listen, we gather together corporately for biblical teaching. It's not a pep rally. I want you to hear that. Listen, it's not a worship experience. Do you know that there's a church? We sing some of their songs here. It's called Elevation Church. I'll tell you who it is. Stephen Furtick. Do you know that he will not allow? And look, I, I, I've read a couple of his books and, you know, it is what it is. He will not allow anyone in his, in his, on his staff or who volunteers to call it a worship service. It's a worship experience because he wants everyone to have an experience. Listen, I have an experience when I go to the movies. I had a great experience a couple of weeks ago watching Maverick, Top Gun. I encourage you to have the same experience. It was a great movie. It really was. And I played Kenny Loggins for two straight weeks after. I was heading straight into the danger zone. And I loved it. I was in my Jeep going, highway to, I was, man. My Jeep's a little slower than the, than the, than the plane. It's not, a worship, it's not a worship experience. It's a worship service. We gather together. We gather together to worship God. But it's not an experience to have. People always wonder, hey, man, you know, you know, why don't you just go all the way and do like, you know, have, do a new stage designs and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I just really like what we have right now because what we have right now is really good. And it's not fake and it's genuine and it's real and I don't want smoke and I don't want, you know, spotlights on everybody and all that kind of stuff. I don't want any of that. I just don't. That's why sometimes you guys come in here and we just have guitars and stools and we just sing. I don't want any of that stuff because I don't want anyone else to get the glory in this place except for Christ. Period. Period. 
And it's cool because neither do our staff and neither do our praise team. None of them do. They just want Christ to get the glory. So it's not a pep rally. It's not a worship experience. Listen, we had a counselor up here last week trying to help people get through hard things. But I want to tell you something. The worship service is not a counseling session either. It's not. It's not a counseling session. Now, we believe in counseling here to the point where we will help people if they can't afford it. We believe in it strongly here. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something else I believe. I also believe that counseling is ineffective unless it is paired with biblical truth. Because the true healing comes from the Holy Spirit connecting with you and you understanding what God's Word says about you. I'm just crazy enough to think that God's Word has all the answers. And being someone who suffers from depression and anxiety, I do. I've shared that with people before. Being someone that does, I can tell you this. I can go to a regular counselor, but it's worthless. I've been. It was worthless. But man, I tell you what, whenever I, whenever I opened that part of my life up to God, and whenever I had that wisdom, like you guys saw last Sunday here, that wisdom of a biblically-based Christian counselor opening up that text and praying and just in, encapsulating those issues, I started seeing things change. Quickly seeing things change. Listen, I'll tell you what else it's not. We're not a social club. We're not. We're not. People ask me, why do you wear flip-flops? Because I like flip-flops. I've always liked flip-flops. I know I have ugly toes. My wife tells me all the time. I got a buddy that sends me a picture of an eagle coming down off the sky and grabbing a fish out of the water. And it says, if your feet look like you could grab this fish, don't go wear flip-flops in the summer. He sends it to me every spring. And I wear flip-flops every summer. All right, I know. Now, currently right now, all of you guys are looking at me, but you really want to look at my feet, don't you? But I'm hiding them behind the pole. All right? They're not that bad. They're pretty bad. They're pretty bad. Listen, we're not a social club either. Whenever Wendy was growing up, you know what she remembers about church growing up? Everyone would get dressed up to the nines. And they, there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Everyone would get dressed up to the nines. And they would come. And they would go. And they would, everybody would talk about what they were wearing. And then they would hear a, a basic little devotion. And then they would all go to the country club after for lunch. And they would all, it was, it was a social club. Wendy was wealthy growing up. I wasn't. I couldn't, I couldn't afford the social or the club. All right. We were just, I was just happy to have my husky pants. You know what I mean? Only a few chubby guys laughed at the husky pants. I know. You know what I'm talking about. Listen, they gathered together for the apostles' teaching. What, was, what were the apostles' teaching? Peter preached, Jesus crucified, buried, and risen again. Acts chapter 2, 36 says, we just read it. Acts chapter 2, verse 36, what does it say? So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, to be the Lord and the Messiah. He preached repentance in Acts 2, 38. Bring it up, Acts 2, 38. Peter replied, each of you must repent if you're, of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for your forgiveness of sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you something else too. He talked about turning from your sin. 
not embracing it, not justifying it, not coddling it, not excusing it. I read a meme this week and it was so good. It said this, it says, listen, you're right. Jesus hung out with sinners. He did hang out with sinners and he called every one of them to repentance. He didn't hang out with them to become them. He hung out with them to show them the way. That's what he did. And that's what we're to do too. We're to have biblical counseling. I want to tell you something. I heard this in two sermons this week that I listened to. And so I figured God was trying to talk to me and he was trying to talk to you too. The Bible was not written with you at the center. I want you to know that when you read the text of the scripture, if you're reading the text of the scripture and you're looking for yourself in it, you're not going to find you. You're going to find Christ. It was written with Christ as the center. And this is what both sermons said this week. And I was fascinated by this. I want to tell you something. You're not David. I want you to hear this. You're not David. If when you, watch, you read the story of David and Goliath and you see David coming out with those smooth stones and you see it thrown and you see him knocking down those giants, can I tell you something? You're not David. You're not. You know who you are? You're the scaredy cats up on the hill. Jesus Christ is David. Jesus Christ is the one that's going to knock down the giants. You just have to be behind him somewhere following him. Are you with me? You just have to embrace what he's doing in your life. Romans says that the best thing you can do in, in chapter 12, and, and I love how the message puts it. It says the best thing you can do is to embrace what it is that God's doing in your life. And you can only connect with him when you read his word, when you study, when you come and gather together here. So when you gather here at Real Church, we're not going to be a social club and we're not going to be a counseling center and we're not going to be a, a, an experience. What we are going to do is, is we're going to love on each other. We're going to have a worship time and we're going to hear what the Bible has to say in a relevant way. Jesus is the cornerstone here at the church and he was the cornerstone before. So what's a cornerstone? Let me explain to you what a cornerstone is. And so they would build these buildings with these blocks and they would always have to put the cornerstone down. Now what the cornerstone does is this. You put the cornerstone down at exactly where it's supposed to be. And listen, this is cool. Everything else, everything else from the building is drawn from that cornerstone. Everything else. How straight it's going to be. Everything, every measurement Everything is drawn from that cornerstone. The building doesn't go up unless the cornerstone is placed. And when the cornerstone is placed, it tells you everything about that building. It, it, it gives the alignments, the height, everything. That cornerstone has to go in first. And everything is built off of that cornerstone. And the same thing is true for you and your life with Christ. Christ has to be the cornerstone. And everything will be built from that knowledge. But we're not the mighty heroes. We're not. Jesus is the mighty hero. And, we're, we, and we, we, as the text says, and as we, as we went through in Romans, we get to share in his glory. And share in his suffering. And share in his victories. We get to do that. Listen, in 1999, January 17th, no, actually not January, I think it was January 8th. January 17th is when the tornado happened. Around January 8th, I was, I was sitting 
And, and there, there was a, 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 actually it was after, there was a January, I guess it was the 17th. I was sitting and, and there was a great, great, um, uh, it was an experience that I had. I, I, was, I was sitting in the living room and I had all my friends over. And I had on bright orange. And it wasn't Halloween. I was watching the Tennessee Volunteers. I was watching them. And I love watching them. Especially back then because they would actually win. But I love watching them. And they won the national championship. Here's the thing. I wasn't the quarterback. T. Martin was the quarterback. I wasn't. I wasn't the wide receiver. Peerless Price was the wide receiver. I wasn't that person. I wasn't. I wasn't, I wasn't the running back, and I wasn't the coach. Phil Former was the coach. I was just sharing in the experience with the ones that were doing the work. Are you with me? And I did my part because I yelled and screamed. I know, Wendy, right? I had a buddy of mine that was so passionate about it that after they won, I called him and he, 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 was, he, wasn't, he said, his son answered, his son was like eight, and he said, Dad's outside. I said, what's he doing outside? Is he not watching the game? He said, oh, he watched the game. He's running up and down the street with the large Tennessee flag that we have hanging out front, singing Rocky Top. <laughs> and I said, do you have HOA covenants? He said, I don't know what that is, but I think he's probably going to get in trouble. <laughs> but I got to share in that experience. I did. And I go to games. But here's the thing. The main point is the team. I'm not the main point. The team's the main point. The main point of the scripture is Christ. It's not you. It's not me. It's Christ. And when we biblically teach and make that point known, then, and this is crazy, I know, but then you understand your role and you understand where you land on the pecking order. And when you understand that, there is freedom. <sighs> okay, Christ has already done these things for me. I get to worship. I get to be here. I get to experience these things. And man, you know, he loves me so much. I don't really have a desire to do this thing anymore or that thing anymore or this thing anymore. Not because I'm so great, but because he's so great. Are you with me? We gather together corporately for biblical teaching and we leave nothing out. People always ask me, why do you go through the book of the scriptures during the year? Why do you do that? I'll tell you why I did it and why I do it. Because if I do that, and it's funny, this is a funny story. So I'm going through the scriptures I think this was a year ago, but I'm going through the scriptures and I accidentally skipped over like seven or eight verses. And one of you happy jacks called me out on it. Hey, you skipped over those verses. I was like, no, I didn't. No, you actually did because those were important to me and I wanted to know what you had to say about it. Thanks a lot, Leah. I know, I know, I know. It was too far gone. Anyway, I literally, I literally do, do not like bouncing around the scriptures and, and picking out a little bit of here and a little bit of there to make it say what I think it should say. I just think that God is so powerful and that this book is so powerful 
that I can teach straight through and I can let it say what it needs to say. And I can just be used as a vessel. And I can get my own opinions out of the way, which is hard to do sometimes, by the way, for you and me. I want it to be biblically based because I don't want it to be. And, and when it's revealed, I want us, including me, to be able to adjust our lives, to align our lives with what it is that God has for us. And when we align our lives with that, then we see the power of God working in our lives. The next thing is, is we gather together to learn biblical principles so that we can apply them to our lives. What is our main thing here? I want to help others experience God in real life. That's what I want. I want you, every time you leave here, to have experienced God. I want to tell you something, and you're going to know this very quickly. I am not an evangelist. I'm not. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not someone who's going to be up here every week, and I'm not, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not going to scream and yell. I'm not going to pound the pulpit. I like preachers that do that. I, I find some of it funny, but and some of it really good. But I like people that do that. They get animated and they're all over the place. But I'm not an evangelist. I'm not at all. I'm a discipler. I'm a teacher. My gifts, and I really believe God gave me these gifts, is to take a hard concept that maybe you don't understand in the scriptures to look at the surrounding text around it and to break those down in a way that you can understand and that I can understand and that we can use in our daily lives. Are you with me? That's what I do. So I'm not an evangelist. I'm a discipler. I'm a teacher. And I want to tell you something. I want to tell you that reading your Bible and studying your Bible and memorizing your Bible and understanding your Bible Every bit of that is worthless if you can't apply it. I want to say that again. Reading your Bible, studying your Bible and memorizing your Bible and understanding your Bible are all worthless if you can't apply it. I have met some of the most biblically deep, knowledgeable, knew the scriptures in and out, the whole nine yards. And every one of them were meaner than a rattlesnake. I have known some people that absolutely loved the scriptures, but the scriptures had never gone from their head to their heart. Are you with me? It had never gone from the head to the heart. You have to, I want to tell you something. If you look at, if you look, especially in the New Testament, you know what you see? You see, hey man, you know what? The devil kind of knew the Bible too. He kind of does. He kind of knows it. He even knows it well enough to twist it a little bit. Because that's what he does. He takes a good thing that Christ has given and he twists it a little bit to make it something that's not so good anymore. And that's what he was doing when he tempted Christ. He said, oh, the Bible says this. Oh, the Word says this. Oh, you know, said this. He just twists it just a little bit. One of the things I always try to tell people is don't leave the same way you came in. When you come in here, don't leave the same way you came in. Leave with just a little bit of change that's happened from the inside out. We want to be a church that gathers together. And we want to make sure that we gather together for biblically based teaching. But also 
that we have, we learn these principles that we can apply to our lives as soon as we leave. The final thing is this, we gather together to glorify God and to edify others. I want to say something that's, uh, that may hurt some people's feelings. I don't want to hurt people's feelings because that's not my intent at all. But I want to say something. You can probably glorify God sitting at home watching a video. Or if you're watching from home right now, I'm talking to you guys. If you're on vacation, thanks for watching. But if you're at home and you haven't come in a long time and you haven't been to a church service in a long time, you can probably glorify God. It's not the same experience as being here. It's, it's, there's something that happens when believers get together and are glorifying God together. It's something that happens that only happens in the midst of our worship. It's an incredible thing. But I can guarantee you, you cannot edify other people sitting on your couch at home. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. You cannot be a blessing to someone else when everyone else is here. And let me say something. The people that are here need you to be here. Because I know this sounds crazy, but God can use you as well to be a blessing to other people and to build other people up. In Acts chapter 2, verses 47, here's what it says. Acts 2, 47 says, All the while they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And I love this. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. They were praising God and enjoying, enjoying the goodwill of the people. Verse 44, let me go back to that. And all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. And it said they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple every day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. How amazing is that? We gather together to place God in his proper place as one to be adored, worshiped, and submitted to. That's why we gather together. And as we do that, we recognize our need for him. When you put God in his proper place, you recognize your need for him. I want to tell you something that you may have never thought about. If you woke up today and you came here, the fact that you came here today and are sitting right here right now tells me that you know that you need him. Are you with me? Think about that for a second. I literally got up early. I could have been off today. I could be at the lake fishing. I could have been off today. I could be, you know, hanging out on the lake. I could be getting, instead of having to mow my yard yesterday afternoon when it was 9,000 degrees, I could have mowed it this morning. And I could have done all these things. I could have all these things in, in line, and you could have too. But instead, you got up, hopefully took a shower, just saying, and you came here. And when you walked through that door, you said, I cannot do this by myself. I need God in my life, and I also need other people in my life. That's what you said. That's what you said. You said, I can't do this alone. 
And that's one of the reasons why we gather. When we do not choose to come to a worship service, when we do not choose to gather with the people here, we lose, we lose what it is that we get here on a weekly basis. We lose that. It was never, the church was never intended. It was never, listen, it was never intended to be an online experience. It was always meant to be done in person with one another. Are there extenuating circumstances? Yes, there are. There's people that can't come. There's people that are sick. There's people that are bedridden. There's people that have medical issues and on and on and on. And here's what's sad. What's sad is, is that the people with those issues would do anything to be here. While other people just choose not to come because of convenience. And that's not what we are. And I'll guarantee you, you can look at the life and the fruit of the people who have come here and have experienced God in a corporate way, in a biblical way. I guarantee you, you'll see that their lives are different. We need other people. Here's what the word edify means. It means to instruct and to improve, especially in moral and religious knowledge, to uplift and encourage. Here's the truth of the matter. I need this. I need this. You need this. And every person that comes through that door needs this. We need it. It's important. It was so important that Christ said, on this rock, I'm going to build the church. And the gates of hell are not going to come against it. Nothing's going to come against it. God's going to do what he's going to do. His purpose, his plan, and his mission is going to be walked out. No matter what you do or what I do, it's going to happen. Because if he comes and he can't count on us, he'll go right on and go, go look for other people that he can't count on. But I want him to be able to count on us. I do. I want him to be able to count on you. I want to be able to count on me. That's what I want. That's why we gather together. That's what the church is. And that's why we're here today. We don't come because of tradition. We come because God has made us the vessel he's going to use to proclaim his name to the world. And that can get hard sometimes. So we gather together to encourage one another to worship God and to leave burdens, unload things here and walk out onto the mission field. And that's why we gather. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for today. Lord, I'm so thankful for the church. <clears throat> I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful that you, that you love and trust us enough to allow us to be your hands and your feet, to be your mouthpiece. Lord, I'm thankful for who you are in, the, in our midst. Lord, we are not David. You are David. We're the scaredy cats on the hill. But God, I want, I want to tell you, it's an incredible thing to watch you 
in all your glory, doing what only you can do in our lives. God, we're not perfect, but you're perfect. The closer we get to you, Lord, continue to purify us in only the way you can do. And Lord, don't let anyone leave here the same way they came in. My prayer is, is they would be changed from the inside out. And so God, we, don't, we didn't come here today. We didn't come here today to, to, to go through a routine. We came here today to experience you. And so God, thank you so much for what you've already done and for what you're getting ready to do. In Jesus' name, amen. The song we're getting ready to sing is about Christ. And once again, it wasn't planned that this would be our last song. Dan, God did it again. But I was listening to it on the way here. And I really think that it really, it really captures who, who Jesus is. And it captures what our hearts should be toward him. So let's stand up and let's sing a final worship song. If God lays anything on your heart, you're more than welcome to come down to the altar. It's always open. Would love to pray with you. Grab somebody beside you and bring them down. Pray with them. Let's sing our final worship song. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.